Shalom Aleichem, good Shabbos, happy Friday, the weekend's here, the week is over, you made it, you got through all your hump days, let's, <coughs> excuse me, let's talk about Atomic Habits, this book's infamous, everyone wants to read this thing, it's an old book now, but it was popping when it came out, let's jump in. What is up, gang? So James Clear is the author of this book, and he kicks it off with this coined term, the valley of disappointment. So picture an X and Y axis, and that there's linear pro- progression, which is a straight line diagonally up to the top right corner. Now picture an exponential curve from zero, and there's going to be a bubble at the bottom, and that's the valley of disappointment, where you aren't progressing as fast as you'd like to. This reminds me of the book, The Compound Effect, which I really, really highly, I've read that twice. Such a good book because it reminds you of the little things are the big things over time. And that's what he's talking about right here, that because of the compound effect of your habits, at first, they're not going to compound much at all. And you're going to feel like you're not moving. And then it takes off and then it actually motivates you. And I saw a quote the other day, uh, consistency is a motivator. That if you have trouble motivating yourself, get consistent. Now, that leads to a whole other thing, which is habits trump motivation. So fuck motivation. I want you creating intrinsic uh, like pain points. Find things like chase feelings, and then you'll create a habit. And the habits trump motivation. Just like the feeling of getting a cavity, this that scared feeling, the fear, drives you to brush your teeth every day to the point where it's a habit. You don't think about it. And uh, anyways, that is how you'll get through this valley of disappointment. James Clear says, forget about goals, focus on systems. And this is exactly like a person talking about the process versus the destination, just put in a fancy way. So he says how goals is all end finish line focused, whereas systems are process focused. There, simple as that. It reminds me of the way people frame this sometimes is if you say, I want to hike Mount Everest. Instead of saying, I want to hug my members, you say, I want to go run cardio for a year straight in preparation. See what I mean? Or a better example would be, I want to run a business. Well, that takes investment and and knowledge. So you'd have to say, instead of that, you'd say, I want to save up my money, which then if you reverse engineer that, you say, I want to stop driving my car. I want, and so instead of the end goal, you create the system. It's I want, and you set up the system. Uh, that's really that's really interesting. Successful and unsuccessful people share the same goals. Why is it that one did well and one didn't? Systems. Oh, okay. This is good, folks. This is this gives people a breath of fresh air. If you aren't reaching your goal, it's not that you don't want to change. It's that your systems are faulty. Because this thing, people don't say, like, I want to mess up. I want to never succeed. Like, they don't say that. It's because their systems are faulty, so it's not their fault. They just weren't educated. Something you do every day is way more important than something you do every month or year. And that it's simple, simple advice, but I want that to really resonate. Start, decide right now, what is one of your biggest goals in life? Now, do something every single day, even if it's for one minute. You have to do it every day, and that is how you get that compound effect going. Three layers to behavior Good. I'm glad they're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Like they were talking about 
outcomes is obviously what we all want the process aka systems you got to build but how do you build that right it's easy to say but like we said some people build faulty systems it's because their identity isn't in check so you have to change your identity however i would want to go deeper and say don't grab onto that identity like it's your saving grace don't cling to it like the floor is made of knives you should be able to strip identity whenever you need to but then you get to in essence choose the identity that you're aware of if that makes sense if you've read Eckhart Tolle's power of now we are aware of everything we're the observer we're not the thinker and so you can be aware of your identity you can be aware of your self-talk and I think a person can choose the identity that they want to be aware of not that they are because you're not your identity be an identity, choose an identity you want to be aware of. And then be aware of the self-talk choosing that identity. It's a bit of a paradox, uh, but whatever. So again, I like this. This book's all about reframing goals, which is very important. I, I think this is why this book is so popular. Instead of wanting to play the violin, you should want to become a musician. Instead of running a marathon, you should want to become a runner. These are identification tools. Something to keep in mind. I love this. This, this, this book is fantastic. A cue is linked directly to the reward. And in between, you have a craving and a response. So if your mind goes blank, you get a craving to fill the void with social media. The response is you open the phone and scroll. The reward, you feel good. You feel good, you stop, you get blank at work, and it begins again. These feedback loops are kind of key, James Clear says, to our success. Because someone... Their cue might end up leading to 20 minutes procrastination, which isn't actually what they want. But we can turn this positively as well. And so if you know if a person feels their body getting achy, means they're sitting too long, they need to go walk. Like like there are positive ways you can flip this. So James Clear does something that Jay Shetty in Live Like a Monk does, which is auditing your life. He calls it the habit scorecard. You write down every single habit throughout the day that you do every day things you don't even think about and jay shetty would call this auditing so you go through you say is this serving me is this helping me go towards the life i want boom simple as that and then you audit the infamous carl Jung is a saying until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate ah uh, interesting okay time and location are some of the most important factors for changing a habit so if a person wants to run a marathon you say I'm going to run, because that's the behavior you want to change. I'm going to run at 6 a.m. in the park. like you, And then the habit can be formed. That's really interesting. Otherwise, it's too vague. Habit stacking, classic. I call this self-negotiation as well. You use one habit to create a second. Whether it's wall sitting while you brush your teeth. Whether it's stretching while you watch TV. Etc, etc, etc. Now, he, he says one cue can lead to another. We'll get into this when so the cue let's let's take uh okay so let's take ah the cue would be watching a movie that leads to the craving of stretching like i told you that's the habit you want to do the response you feel good the reward is you're pr- proud of yourself but that reward leads excuse me to a cue and and that is how you stack so then uh, that's interesting so he's saying that reward of feeling good immediately tells your brain okay it's time to meditate because now I've finished stretching. So it's like that reward leads to another thing. And you just do this again and again and again with other habits. 
James Clear discusses what I was taught at Fanshawe through social cognitive theory, trans theoretical model, self-determination theory, all these things, these psychological theories that tell you one thing in common, your environment's most important. And I've discussed this on the podcast many times is that you will eat a whole box of cookies if it's on the counter versus saying no in the grocery store. What have you just done? You've changed your environment to suit your goals of not eating unhealthy. You can do this with literally anything. That's why environment trumps motivation. Habits trump motivation, but environment is key. Uh, This is cool. James Clear says, one space, one use. He's saying, where you do things is vital for habits. Don't watch a movie on the couch, meditate on the couch, do work on the couch. No, no, no. The couch should be for one thing only. Bedroom as well. You name it. Kitchen for another. I'm bad for this. I mix it up. I do work in the kitchen. I do work on the couch. I uh, meditate in my room, but I'll also scroll in my room. So that is, I'm going to take that away. That's huge. So in this book, he calls temptation bundling, like what I call the self-negotiation. You can trick dopamine. You can trick dopamine or trick your brain to utilize dopamine differently. For example, if you're doing the habit with a dopamine producing activity, you're going to associate associate dopamine with that thing. For example, I used to love, I still do it sometimes. I used to read while I work out because working out to me is so enjoyable, but the reading part, I never look forward to it. So I would read in between sets and that was uh, my way to tie in reading. I was excited to read because it meant I got to work out. He discusses finding a tribe, find a community and culture that'll shape your habit. Now that's exactly the same as environment though, by the way. There's the infamous question, how long does it take to form a habit? James Clear says, it's not the right question to ask. It's how many reps does it take? Because that's what some literature apparently has found is it's not time, it's repetitions. I like that statistic because is it not empowering? Like that, that's awesome to think, oh, okay, so it's up to me. It's not how much time I spend. It's up to me. How many reps am I going to put in? Because a rep is a rep because of the catalyst AKU. Uh, they're discussing something that I've talked about on this because of uh, a fantastic podcast on NPR. It's friction. I'll tell you a story to explain this. There was a building and they put the elevator down the hall to the left, but right in the lobby, right as you enter, is a grand staircase to take you up the building. And people didn't want to walk an extra 50 feet to the left, so they would walk up the stairs. No different. And there's a bunch of cases of this. The cafeteria put the fruit literally uh, on the way to all the other foods, whereas another cafeteria put the fruit off to the side, and people ate more fruit when it was convenient. Same with, um, yeah, that the stairs analogy is good because the stairs are actually the harder task. An elevator is easier than stairs. Yet people were willing to do the harder task because mentally it was easier. So there you go. That's why friction is so powerful in how you create your habits. Oh, that's interesting. Make a habit satisfying. Habit tracking, just literally keeping track of how how long you've done something. It's a great way to be satisfied with your, your stuff. To break a bad habit, make it unsatisfying. So for example, let's say you're trying to stop smoking. This is a classic example. But like to make it unsatisfying would be you have to stand outside, right? So that's unsatisfying. If it's shitty weather, you don't want to smoke. 
that's like a it's a bad example but it's an unnecessary it's an unsatisfying thing tied to the habit so now here's a, a exercise we can do to actually utilize and apply the knowledge here think of a cue <clears throat> so for me my goal is to only post on my phone not scroll 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 forever a cue for that could be god this is tough it could be one of those apps that tell you how long you've been on your device for or or maybe a sign i know i could put a sign up wherever i sit and scroll so i typically scroll at my desk at work i scroll at bed and i scroll after i post uh, when i'm eating lunch or something <clears throat> so if i have notes post-its there reminding me then maybe i'll change my, my actions anyways i want you to think of something a cue a physical obvious cue that'll help you remember the habit next <clears throat> the craving portion what's going to make that habit attractive so for me if i pair up the uh if i pair up not scrolling with meditation if I pair it up with, what's something I really enjoy? If I pair it up with, ah, language learning, there. Then, uh, knocking two birds one stone, I'm tricking myself. Okay, how will I make that easy? I know, I will close my eyes and only do three breaths of meditation, or I will simply say two sentences in the new language boom because james clear he really wants you to make the habit effortless at, at the beginning because most people don't follow through with their habits because they do too much too quickly so that my friends is how you'll make it easy and that's how i would make it easy to stop scrolling is just one sentence or one breath of meditation i think for the reward part the satisfaction i'm going to keep track of how often throughout the day I meditate or practice language instead of scrolling. And then I can see at the end of the day or the end of the month, how many extra minutes I have spent studying. Bam, folks, you can do this. Very simple stuff. Oh, this was good. Lastly, I, I should have done this way earlier. Changing identity at the same time. So this is part of the reward portion is you say, I identify as a language learner and I identify as a meditator. I do not identify as a scroller. I do not identify with that. That's why it bugs me to scroll. It's against my identity. Folks, just remind yourself what your identity is that you're aware of because you got to pay tribute to Eckhart Tolle. Be aware. You are not the identity. You're not your thoughts. And now if we're going to habit stack this, because remember I told you how the reward can be linked to a new cue. When I'm done doing a few breaths or a few phrases, that calmness, that peaceness is going to remind me, like my, my self-talk will say, what's next? What's next? And instead of scrolling, I will look at my to-do list and I'll simply move on to that task in my to-do list and then just do that. And if I ever feel like scrolling again, I'm going to go back to the meditation, go back. To, and then when I'm done the meditation or the phrases and I have that calmness again, I go right back to the task for my to-do list. Bam. And that's how I'll stack it. And next thing you know, I will have formed a new habit or actually broken the old habit of scrolling, but my new habit will be when I am done posting on social media to do language and meditation. That'll be my new habit. And that's it. That's the game plan. I hope that helps you guys. My takeaway from this and starting today, I'm going to do this is just 
habits that are so easy, it's actually hard not to do them. So uh, I do struggle to read. So I think I am going to just do a page, even if it's a page a day. That takes no time at all. Uh, and then I'm going to start f doing little things. So if I'm bad for this where my to-do list will be way too packed. I really should only have three things a day I try to complete, but I'll have like six. I think what I'm going to start doing is doing all the six, but maybe not as much doing two minutes at a time of each. And then I can at least say I've done those things. I've, I've made progress in those ventures. And I think that's what I'm going to start doing. This book inspired me to just do the little things. The little things every day instead of the big things every week. That's that's huge. Alright folks, thanks for listening. Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom, have a great weekend. Love you all. And for my great-great-great-grandkids, <clears throat> you're the best. Go spread the love.